It's on. I just have it real low so we don't get an echo. All right. Everyone doing well? There we go. I guess I wasn't on. So what we're going to be doing tonight is continuing a little bit more on Matthew 27. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along there, it's been a couple of weeks, so I want to back up and repeat what we had the last time. And then I want to go on and talk this Sunday, today, and I will include it next Sunday because remember I asked you the question, do you want to go deeper in the brain? And you all shook your head yes or said yes. Well, we're not going to do that so much tonight, but next Sunday, I'm going to go deeper into the brain, and I want to show you how it connects, not only with the stone that was rolled in front of the sepulcher by Joseph of Arimathea, and you know, history tells us that Nicodemus helped him roll that stone in front of the sepulcher, and then we want to show the allegory of that, and then the stone rolled away by the angel, we want to show the allegory of that. Not only seeing what took place where Jesus was concerned and the angel was concerned, but how many know that we're looking at the allegory of these truths, which means what? It simply means that we want to see how it's happening within us. Yes. yes. Not just the historicity, and we don't do away with the history story. But if we stop with historicity, it's not going to really mean a whole lot to us. How can we experience this? Well, we can't unless we see how it applies, and that is the allegory. Jesus always taught in parables, and he taught in uh, hyperbole, and of course we know hyperbole is an exaggeration. Like, for example, if you know you read the scripture that says if your eye offends you pluck it out well who's going to pluck their eye out so that's an exaggeration to show us that is simply talking about plucking out as far as seeing with the two eyes in their head and seeing with the single eye viewing with the single eye so in matthew chapter 27 i'll be eventually reading from that but let me go back as i said and review a little bit of what we had two weeks ago, and since it's been two weeks, I want to kind of catch you up, and then we'll talk again about the stone that was rolled in front of the sepulcher and why, and then the stone that was rolled away from the tomb by the angel and show you why, and also show you the allegorical reality of that in our physical anatomy. Because how many know? 1 Thessalonians 5.23, in the Amplified, we have been sanctified. I say spiritified. We have salvation, redemption, objectively, in spirit, and soul, and body. So what I'm giving us in this series of mind-brain connection, this is number 155, by the way, what I'm giving you is the how-to. How can we experience this subjectively? We know it's true of us objectively. And most people, most Western evangelical Christianity, the fundies today, are waiting to experience this subjectively after some so-called rapture of the church or after they die. Well, now is the day of salvation. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. We don't have to wait to some heavenly glory when we're off yonder in some other dimension or someplace after we've lost our body, we don't have to wait. It's today, and that's the thing that I want to get across in this ministry, is how can we walk in this? How can I experience this? How can I move beyond it just being a nice little story about Jesus and all those people of the first century and me not experience it? Now, I started a couple of weeks ago, and I shared with you how, from Matthew 27, Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary. It's Calvaria in Latin. And also on Golgotha. And both of those terms, Mount Calvary, Calvaria, and Golgotha, simply means the skull. 
We didn't come here with a corrupted nature that had to be changed into a divine nature. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. We were never an old man in the sense of being another person. And when Jesus went to the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection, it made us into another person. No. It exposed something in our skull. Yes. And the resurrection revealed something in our skull. What was exposed? All the lies of religiosity. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes, I think it's 729, that we were brought here upright, but we sought out a bunch of schemes and inventions, and that was religion. We fell for it, we got amnesia, we forgot who we were, who we always were, even from before time ever again. And so therefore, Jesus then goes to the cross, he lays down his life, and we'll talk about that, he lays down his life to expose all of those lies that were where? In our skull, yes. between our ears. Yes. And the resurrection, a couple meanings of that is to gather our faculties. We're gathering our faculties. What faculties? Well, mere intellect, human reasoning, natural logic, emotions, if they try to lead us, five senses, if they rise up to our woman and try to lead us, what are we doing? We're gathering those faculties where? To the Christ mind, yielding them to the Christ mind. So the old men, because we used to say, and I wrote a post just the other day about the old man and some of this stuff here, and I shared in that post how that the old man, again, was not a person we were, and then when Jesus went to the cross, he went there to change us into another person, to give us a divine nature. We always had a divine nature. But he went to the cross, it says, in fact, Jesus himself says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? The skull. Yeah. Amen. We were lost here yeah. in the skull, specifically in our woman, our feminine principle, right. in our brain. We were led by our brains. Now, nothing wrong with the left side, as we've shared before. It's an equivalent, but it has a different role than the right side has. Yeah. So we talked about that. It's in the skull. So I want to get that across. Just in the skull, folks. Just in the skull. Then we talked about the red veil. Because remember, at his death, the veil was what? It was rent at his death. What was that? That was the renting of this veil right here between the holy place and the holy of holies. Now, we can say our body is the outer core, we can say our feminine principle is the holy place, and we can say the most holy place is our Christ mind on the right side. Now, when the veil was rent, this became one compartment, including outer court. It became one. So when the veil is rent subjectively within you and I, that is when we have learned not to be led by the left side in and of itself, and that's important, in and of itself, because God gave us emotions, gave us an intellect. He gave us five senses. He gave us all that. They're an equivalent. They're a helpmate. They're to help us. So when the veil is rent subjectively within us, we have yielded those things when they come up and desire to lead us. So that's the subjective reality of the rent veil. It was torn. Now let me say this about the rent veil. It was torn from the top to the bottom. Remember reading about that? Let me submit to you, and I probably never said this before. It was torn from the highest prestigious carnal thoughts <laughs> all the way down to the stinkingest thinking <laughs> that you could have. But now listen, when we have planted the seeds of truth, and this right side has intercoursed with the left side, with our woman, the masculine has intercoursed with the feminine part, then what happens is our body is affected. So I could say that the red bell was rent all the way from our skull all the way down to our body. That's right. We could say that, right. at least in our awareness. Right. And what happens in our awareness will be affected within our physical body. Now, the next thing we talked about a couple weeks ago from Matthew 27, in verse 51, it says there that the earth quaked. At his death, the earth quaked. In other words, once we have accessed our Christ mind, there can be a shaking and a quaking in our earth. Absolutely. I know people that actually had withdrawal. Yes. 
when religion was eliminated from them. Yes. What does that mean? Yes. I mean, they stomped and they cursed and they cussed yes. and they yelled and they yes. got mad at God and all of this stuff, not fully understanding that it was a good thing that was happening. It was a God thing that was happening unto right. them. And it reminds me of the group of people in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 12 when they built the new temple. The older people, yes. the older generation were weeping. They wanted the good old days. Their earth was a quaking and a shaking, and they wanted it the way it was previously. I could say today, there's a lot of people that want the gifts. They don't want to grow up and realize they are the gifts. All right now. They want all of those things to operate. They don't want to draw out of their own well. They want someone to come and lay hands on them yes. and confer within them and upon them a miracle, yes. a sign or a wonder. Yes. When all along they are the sign, they are the miracle, yes. they are the wonder, they are all of that. They yes. are the word made flesh. Yeah. Amen. So good. Amen. So we're not going to weep for the good old days no. of the gift around. Now, are you throwing the gifts out? No. There are some people that still need that from time to time. But what I'm saying is, even in the realm where people are experiencing the glory and the gold dust and all of that stuff, let me say something to that. I'm not against that, but I am against trying to manufacture it. Yes. That's what I'm against. And there are people today yes. that are trying to manufacture that. And they yes. say, well, we haven't really had a service. Or spirit didn't show up. Or father didn't show up. God didn't show up because someone didn't fall out. You showed up. Or you there wasn't up. gold dust. Oh. There wasn't jewels. Now, again, hear me. I'm not against it, but I'm not going to manufacture it. Yes. If it happens in our service, it happens in our service, and praise God for it. Yes. You see? So there's a difference there. Then after we talked about the earthquaking, we talked about in Matthew 27, where it also said that at his death, the rocks rent. We talked about the rocks renting. And I shared that the rocks represent the spiritual essence which man whose breath is in his nostrils cannot access and get into. And that's what Isaiah was talking about in chapter 2 and verse 22, where he said, Cease ye from man, now nothing wrong with man, but cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, who takes his own inspiration and and it says the Lord said this and the Lord said that and thus saith yeah. the Lord out of his own inspiration from the left side because when the rocks rent what is it talking about it's talking about a people yielding the left side bringing themselves into that spiritual essence where they are experiencing that spiritual essence within them subjectively yes now Another scripture I could add to that, see she from man whose breath is in his nostrils, is Romans 8 and verse 7, where it says there that the carnal, now I know it says carnal mind, but there's only one mind. So it should say carnal mindfulness, carnal mindfulness is not subject to the law of God, the royal law of God, the spirit of the word, neither indeed can be, and it never will be able to be or to, to yield, or to experience the right side, unless it yields, unless it yields. And then I shared with you not only the rocks renting, and that's speaking of the spiritual essence and how man cannot enter that and experience that in and of himself. Isaiah wasn't talking against mankind. He was talking against mankind living in and of himself. Yes. So the rocks rent is one thing, but then I talked about the rocks splitting. Now, hang on to Matthew 27, if you're there, and quickly go to Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Now, I quoted this a couple weeks ago, but I want us to really look at it. What is it talking about when it says at the, at the death of Jesus, the rocks rent? You know what I see that as? Because it doesn't say the rocks split, I don't think. I need to go back and look, but I don't think it said the rocks split. It said the rocks rent. Yes. They rent, they pulled loose from one another. Okay? They pulled loose from one another. And then I see, out of the rocks pulling loose from one another, I see those rocks splitting. Now, what does the rock split speak of? Now, this all happened at the death, at the crucifixion of Jesus. So here in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we see the rock splitting. And look what it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the quickened word. When the word is quickened to us, 
there's going to be a splitting of the rocks. Amen. The spiritual essence is going to be split from the left side in and of itself because it goes on to say, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And then it goes on and is a discerner of the joints and you know the intents of the heart and so forth. So what is this talking about? When the word, when we come to the place to where that word is conceived from our right side to our left side, conceived in our virgin consciousness, then there's a, we come to the realization that there is a splitting. There has to be a splitting between the two before they can come together as one. And the quickened word will do that. It'll show you what is of man in and of himself. And it'll show you what is of Christ. The word does that. Yes, it does. And once the splitting takes place, then what happens is the two are joined together. Yes. Now, let me say it this way, because this is very interesting. In this brain, the left and right hemisphere, is what is called the arachnoid. Do you know what the arachnoid tells me? I haven't read this anywhere, but it tells me that there has to be a splitting here. Because this, unless it's yielded, cannot experience right. this. Right. The two cannot become one unless this web or veil is also called a veil. See, this arachnoid shows me that God put a split there. Why? Because this cannot come over to this and this cannot come over to this and yes, there, unless there's first a yielding of this yeah. to this. And when there is that yielding once the split has taken place, which is to me, that's what the arachnoid talks to me about. That's a fresh revelation, hot off the griddle. Now, we also went to Exodus 26, 31. I'm not going to turn there. But we looked at the veil there, and we saw that the veil had three colors, blue, purple, and scarlet. And I shared with you that the, the, the blue speaks of peace. The purple infers kingship or ruling. And the scarlet symbolizes love. Now, when these two are joined together, don't you experience peace? That's the only way you can experience the peace that passes all understanding That's when the it. two are joined. Don't you also, when they're joined together, experience rulership? Yes. As Romans 5 says, we reign, we rule in life by one Christ Jesus Amen. through the gift of righteousness and yes. through the abundance of grace. Yes. As the two become one, through the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, the two become one. We are ruling them. What are we ruling over? Our own lower thoughts. The emotions. Mere intellect. Ego. Human reasoning. Logic. Five senses. We rule in those things. By what? How do we rule them? Just simply by yielding them. Not fighting them. Not binding and losing and fighting and struggling with it. Just yielding to it. And the only way that you're going to be successful in yielding this to this is through meditation. I'm here to tell you, it's the only thing that is going to bring that. We had a little situation happen this week with my daughter that lives in Michigan. She was taking me to the emergency room and all this, and she had a potential life-threatening situation. What did I do? I sat in my chair and I did nothing. I took no thought. I sat there. Yes, thoughts were trying to parade through my brain. And I just let them parade through. I didn't give them any power. I just was silent. And I rested there. And the situation turned out wonderful. Now, we also saw two weeks ago where the cherubim, and we also see cherubim right here in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if I turn this upside down, it would look like angels. But the cherubim here, of course, we know cherubim means apprehended ones and blessers. We've been apprehended to be blessers. Yes. Okay? But this is, when you take it into the physical anatomy, it's the left and the right hemisphere. It's your cerebrum. And next week, we're going to look at a lot of different words that I've never spoken to you before as we go a little deeper into this teaching on the brain. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 41, in fact, why don't you turn there, Ezekiel 41, 18. Hang on to Matthew 27, because we're going to quickly go back there. 
any minute now, but Ezekiel 41, 18 is talking about this veil. And look what it says here in Ezekiel 41, 18, talking about the veil. And right away, people think of the veil between the holy place and the holy holies. They think of an external temple. Forget about that, folks. Yes. Forget about that. Think of the veil. Think of this arachnoid, the web or the veil, between your right and your left hemisphere that gives us a picture of the fact that God does not want, Father does not want these faculties in and of themselves to be brought over here. In fact, it's impossible. Romans 8 says it's impossible. Yeah. There has to be the yielding. Now, this veil here in Ezekiel 41, 18, think about the veil in us, in our head, in our skull. We're talking about the skull, right? Jesus was crucified on Golgotha Mount Calvary. So it says here, in the middle of that uh, verse 18, Ezekiel 41, 18, the cherubim had two faces, so that the face of a man, oh, okay, a man, the face of a man was toward the palm tree. Now, palm tree speaks of maturity. On the one side, and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. So what is this telling us? It's telling us here that the face of the man infers intellect, and it needs some maturity. Yeah, yeah. And the only way to bring maturity to our intellect to where it's no longer just man-made intellect, the only way to do that is to yield that. Yeah. And then it experiences what this palm tree right. signifies, which is maturity. It becomes spiritual intellect, yes. spiritual reasoning. Yeah. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is yes. good. All your five senses can be spiritualized. Feel after him, not just with the lower five senses, right. but as we bring them, yield them to the Christ mind. So this is talking about the face of the man that infers here, mere intellect and reasoning and logic. But the young lion that is toward the palm tree, toward maturity, speaks of spirit. So what is this saying? It's simply saying that the veil separated the intellect, the reason, and the logic, the, the emotions, and the five senses from the realm of spirit. However, the veil was rent. The veil was rent from where? From the top to the bottom. Why? So that intellect can now become spiritual intellect. The veil was rent so that human reasoning can become spiritual reasoning. Like Isaiah said, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. So that logic, natural logic, can become spiritual logic. Because listen, folks, there is logic to the spiritual realm. There is logic to the word of God and to the spiritual realm. So when it talks about the man here toward the palm tree and the young lion toward the palm tree, it's talking about man in his own intellect, in and of itself, as opposed to the realm of spirit. And so as we yield everything from that left side to the right side, then is when we begin to feel, five senses, after him. Taste and see, five senses, that the Lord is good. Feel after him. All of those five senses become spiritualized and they're used for our good and God's glory. Yeah. Now, we also touched on a very touchy subject, not here so much, but in Western Evangelical Christianity, and that is the tithe. Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago we dealt with it. The tithe in the Old Testament was them giving 10% of what grew out of the ground. Right. So our giving of the 10% is what grows out of the ground we yield the tithe. We give up the tithe. Jesus, in talking about the parable of the sower, called the ground the heart. So just as the tithe to the Old Testament people was 10% of what grew out of the ground, so the tithe to us is taking that which needs to be yielded that grows out of the ground from the left side in and of itself and yielding it. So my question tonight, are you paying your tithe tonight? Are you giving up your tithe? Are you yielding your tithe, you see? And if you are, then you are experiencing the two as being joined together. Now, let me read here. Go back to Matthew 27. I told you I was going to read there sooner or later. Matthew 27. See, in the parable of the sower, remember there were four conditions of the ground. 
And let me tell you what the good ground was. What was the fertile soil that the seed was sown into? It was when the people yielded the left side in and of itself to the Christ mind that made this ground, fertile ground, fertile Amen. soil. Amen. See, and then this is, there is a part in here, as I've shared with you before, that I call the virgin womb or the virgin consciousness. That part has never been touched by man. But that has been so buried on the inside of us. So what we want to do is take the seeds of the Christ thoughts and we want to plant them into the left side to where they can be conceived in the virgin womb and quickened in the virgin womb and then the two will just naturally, naturally, Amen. automatically, spontaneously yes. become one. Now, in Matthew 27, look at verses 52 and 53. And it says here that at, after the resurrection, it was really after the resurrection of Jesus, it says that the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection, going into the holy city, appearing unto many. Now you remember what I told you about that? Yep. I honestly do not believe, and I could give you scripture, that it was literal bodies that popped out of the tombs of the graves, and were seen walking around in the holy city. Dead bodies don't come up. Yeah. <laughs> now perhaps they saw all these people in the realm of spirit. But dead bodies, you know, and I told you, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, I lived by a graveyard a couple of times in my life. And I was petrified. Because I was told when the Lord comes back on his white horse splitting in the eastern sky to make everything right, people are going to pop out of those graves. And it scared me spitless, I'm telling you. <laughs> to think that I would ever witness the ground opening up and vaults and caskets coming up and lids flying open and dead bodies that were buried popping out. So I think this was something spiritual that they saw. But for us, here's the allegory. The allegory is found in John 5, 28, which you don't have to go there, I'm just going to quote it. John 5, 28 talks about those in the graves hearing his voice. And the word graves there in the Greek is mimeon, and it means to remember. A, a remembrance, a memory, or to remember. In other words, in other words, the left side in and of itself, when it's operating in and of itself, is nothing but a grave. And you have forgotten who you are, yeah. or you wouldn't be operating yeah. out of that in and of itself. So when we hear his voice from the right side, when we'll yield the left and hear his voice from the right side, what happens is we begin slowly but surely to remember. Yes. Now, let me just read this, and I read this a couple weeks ago, but let me read it in two translations. King James says, Psalm 22, 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And I know turn to the Lord meant, you know, walk the green mile and come up and confess your sin, ask Jesus to jump in your heart and all of that. But to turn to the Lord is when we wake up and we remember who we always were from before time ever began. Now listen to this. And I'm not sure if this is in the mirror translation. I'm not even sure where I got this. But it may be the mirror translation. But it's another translation other than the King James, and it says it this way. By the waters of reflection, my soul remembers who I am. Yes. By the waters of reflection, my soul, this left side, remembers who, my, who I am. My brain got the message now. The grave began to yield up the death, the carnality, the intellect in and of itself, the reasoning in and of it, all of that began to yield that and give that up, hearing his voice, the two are joined together, and I'm subjectively experiencing life. Right. Now, it says that these people appeared back there in Matthew 27 and verse 53. It says that they appeared in the holy city. They appeared in the holy city? City is consciousness, yes. higher consciousness. So the lower awareness or graves that give up the tithe, okay, that give up the death or give up the tithe for the higher consciousness become 
subjectively the holy city. Now, Paul said it this way in Galatians 4, 25 and 26. He talked about two cities, and city means consciousness. He talked about a city, he talked about Jerusalem, that's what he called it, a city or Jerusalem that was in bondage with her children. This is the Jerusalem. When you're moving in of the side itself, that's the Jerusalem that's in bondage with anything she's reproduced. <laughs> okay? But then he talked about a city, a Jerusalem which was above, listen, free, and the mother of us all. Yes. What is that talking about? That's talking about a woman, a feminine principle, that gets the message, hears the voice, comes out of the depth of the lower consciousness and the lower faculties, and begin to ex begins to experience freedom, which is the mother, and spirit is, by the way, in the feminine, experiences the mother. So now, what? The father and the mother are joined together. Yes. That's what he's talking about there. Yeah. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So what is happening? We are beginning, as we yield the left side and realize the importance of it, we're beginning to hear his voice as never before. Amen. And not just hear it and know it in our head yes. or our brain, but it's beginning to be conceived in the virgin womb yes. or the virgin consciousness Amen. to where we know that we know that we know. Amen. And once we leave, and I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, once we leave the realm of faith, because you operate in faith when you're just not sure about a situation. Oh. Once we leave the realm of faith of not being sure about a situation yes. and trying to, and it is the faith of the Son of God within us, absolutely. But when we move into knowing, yes. and we don't move into that knowing until the two have been subjectively joined together, yes. then we know that we know that we know that we know. And that's a whole different ballgame, folks. It sure is. Now, we also discussed two weeks ago the centurion there. And if you study that word out, centurion, it means one who rules. So what, what was the centurion there? It was the one. See, the centurion represents the leading principle of our life once we have given our tithe up, once we have yielded that 10%. And notice what it says at the end of verse 54 in Matthew 27, it says, Surely, truly, this is the Son of God. In other words, what is that saying? We know once the two are joined together and the right is ruling, the centurion is ruling in our lives. See, this is the centurion. Once the centurion is ruling in our life and not the left side in and of itself is ruling, then we can say, Truly, this is the Son of God. Truly, we're on the right path. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm just going to toot my own horn tonight. I believe we are on the right path. All yes. the way from Genesis to Revelation, yes. you're going to hear about the yielding part, the feminine yes. principle. You know, even in the natural, wife being yes. submission, as it says, which isn't the right word, because you won't really. I found out that submission, and I heard this from, I think, Dr. Bill Hanshaw on one of his shows. He said you won't even find that word submission in the Bible. Right, that's right. It's yielding. It's not even there. And in other words, you won't. It's coincidence. You won't find coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. You're not going to find that in the Bible anywhere either. Yeah. So wife, as it says in Ephesians, yes. what is it, 4 or 5, as Paul said, the wife must subject herself. It really should be yield herself to the husband. Yeah. That's not talking in a natural marriage. Right. It's talking spiritual is yeah. what it's talking about. Yeah. So we talked about the centurion. Then in verse 55 of Matthew 27, it states there that many women were beholding. Many women were beholding. In other words, as we yield, give up the tithe, the 10%, as we yield the feminine part, guess what happens? This side then wakes up. Yes. There's a conception that takes place. There's a quickening that takes place. Our virgin womb yes. conceives, and the truth is quickened there. And as that happens, we're on our way to experiencing the joining of the two. Right. Then in verse 57, it talks about the fact that there was a rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And I shared with you that Joseph means here, it means the remover. 
And Arimathea means the city of the Jews. And so the allegory here is that the lower has been taken from the outside by a rich man, and that which appeared to be in lack is no more in any apparent lack. <laughs> Love it. And then in verses 58 and 59, oh it says there that he begged the body of Jesus from Pilate. He received the body. He wrapped it in clean linen. And in verse 60, it says he laid it in his own new tomb that Joseph had hewn out all of his life. And he rolled them. And, and history tells us that Nicodemus helped Joseph of Arimathea to roll the great stone, not just a stone, but the great stone at the door of the sepulcher. Now, the great stone separated anything from getting, it sealed it, separated anything from getting in that tomb or in that sepulcher because, you see, people could have maybe gone in and stolen the body of Jesus, and so then what would the people say when, when the stone was rolled away? They would have said, well, someone stole the body. He really didn't resurrect. But we know that before the stone in the next chapter, I think in verse 1, 28 of Matthew, verse 1, when the stone was rolled away by the angel, Jesus had already resurrected. So this stone that was rolled in front of the sepulcher represents a ceiling. Oh my God. Now listen to this. Besides the ceiling in Ephesians 1:13, where we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, well, that was a measure of the ceiling. Okay, that was a measure of the sealing, sealed into the day of redemption. But the sealing that I want to look at uh -oh. is the sealing that we find in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 4, where it talks about a people, listen, yes. being sealed in their foreheads. Yes. And then in chapter 14 and verse 1 of Revelation, it talks about 144,000 being sealed. Now, the one in Revelation 7, verse 4, talks about the sealing that took place in the foreheads of all of the tribes. And when we study the meaning of each of those tribes, we realize it's us. Yep. In our process of awakening. <laughs> and then in Revelation 14, verse 1, the 144,000, if you, you know what I'm going to say, if yes. you add that together, yeah. it comes to 9, 1 plus 4 plus 4 is nine, and nine is the number of consciousness. In other words, as we yield any lower thoughts to our Christ mind, we are being sealed in the higher consciousness. That's a sealing for us. That is a subjective sealing. This yielding that we're talking about, and we have been talking about for 155 installments, <laughs> that sealing, listen, that yielding, in other words, that giving up of the 10% is a sealing, a subjective sealing that takes place within us. Amen. So the reality, the, the allegory of the great stone being rolled in front of the sepulcher, let me say it this way also. Remember when in this series we talked about living in the end? Was it talks about God yes. declared the end from the beginning? Great we talked man, about man. collapsing time. Yeah. And how do we collapse time? We realize it's now, we live in the now, we collapse time, space, and energy, right? And then we talked about creating a vacuum. Remember that? Living in the end, collapsing time, creating a vacuum. So when they rolled, when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea rolled this great stone in front of the sepulcher, they created a vacuum. And when we create a vacuum, how do we create a vacuum? I just told you, by yielding the left to the right, we create a vacuum. And when a vacuum is, see, because nature doesn't, it abhors a vacuum. So the moment a vacuum is created as they did when they put the stone in front of the sepulcher, something began to take place. Something began to take place in the life of Jesus, and something will take place in us as we yield the left to the right. We create a vacuum and nature abhors a vacuum, and something is going to rush in and take over. Well, it's the spirit self. It's the God self. It's the truth of who we are. That's the real kingdom right there. Now, that's the real kingdom right there. Now, in Matthew 28, 2, then, as I stated, the angel of the Lord came and rolled away the stone from the sepulcher. 
And as I said, if you read this, Jesus had already been resurrected. And guess who looks into the tomb first? Oh, the woman. The women. <laughs> See, our woman needs to look into the stuff. Our woman needs to realize and recognize that the only way it's going to experience life is going to be as it yields, as it looks into the fact that, as Isaiah said, man whose breath is in his nostrils is of no account. Our woman needs to realize that unless the woman part, the feminine principle, yields, there's not going to be any life experienced in our life. So the women looked in. So allegorically, the angel, now an angel is what? Well, it's a messenger with a message. So it was a message that rolled that stone away. Now, I could go into a lot of different directions with that. That stone that was rolled away could be the law being rolled away in our school. It could be legalism rolled away in our schools. Here's the biggie. It can be looking at the scriptures strictly in literalism. That was rolled away. Roll it, baby. So the women, our woman must look into the stuff that we're talking about. Now, besides all of that, our woman can look yeah. into the things of the spirit. Our masculine and our feminine can be spiritually joined together when the stone of legalism, law, and literalism oh. is rolled away. Then the two can become one Amen. as we yield that left side. Amen. Now, besides all of that, let me take this into our physical anatomy. Uh-oh, here we go. Because, listen, and I had a, let me just tell you about the situation I had. Tell us. When I came and ministered here the last time, you all didn't know it, but I was in so much pain, uh -huh. I could hardly stand here. S Sunday morning, two weeks ago, I leaned over just to open a drawer to pull out some socks, and I threw my back out. And I remember I was talking to someone earlier uh, in the service that night, and I could barely stand there and talk to this person. I'm not going to mention any names. And I heard spirits say that sickness and pain and disease is misplaced energy. Yeah. yeah. So here's what I did. I told my daughter, and you know, Sandy works with, she's a massage therapist and she works in energy and so forth. She said, well, come over and let me use my pendulum on you. And I know some people think that's woo, 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 new agey stuff, but it's not. So I get up on her massage table, my back was, I'm not gonna say that, but it was hurting, <laughs> all right? It was hurting. And she pulls that pendulum out and she goes to the root energy field. And you see, your energy fields spin. And, and when they're spinning right, correctly, they spin clockwise. Mine are going counterclockwise. The root energy field, some people call them chakras, and the sacral energy field were both spinning counterclockwise. And I was in some big time pain. My heart chakra was going crazy in the right way. My throat chakra was going crazy in the right way. My head chakra, the crown chakra was going crazy in the right way. But the two lower ones, remember I had thrown my back out. And you know, I had all kinds of thoughts over that because I've had three back surgeries. And I thought, oh, I've got some hardware here. Maybe I jarred the hardware or something. And, you know, I'm fine now. I could dance all over the place tonight. But I'm just saying, what she did then is she, and I'm trying to make a point here, sickness and disease is misplaced energy. You are energy. Yep. And you are an electrical appliance. Yes. <laughs> Our bodies work by energy and electricity. And I'm going to teach on that. We're going to get there. And so she began on a couple of days, two or three days, I went over there. And she put the pendulum up, and she, um, the second day, I think, was still going counterclockwise. By the third day, it was slowly starting to go the way wow. it was supposed to go. Uh, I think it was maybe the second day, but by the third day, I was pain-free. Right. And when she put the pendulum up, they went crazy in the right way they were supposed to go in the root energy field and in the sacral energy right. field. And I was misplaced energy. Wow. Misplaced energy. That's what sickness and disease is. Now, I said all that to say this. As we meditate, as we, and I'm not talking about meditating, you know this, hours on end. I'm just talking about like a few seconds, like we do before our services. Just a few seconds, just to center. 
But through meditation, what happens, and this is still the stone being rolled away, blockages through our meditation can be rolled away. And as the energy, and you know what I'm going to say, as it begins to rise from the root energy field and comes up, it begins to touch or it begins to envelop the pineal, and then it goes to the right side. And when it goes to the right side, there's no way there can be any blockages whatsoever of the energy. Now we know that the energy, that especially the energy in the solar plexus, takes the energy to the different systems of the body and the different organs of the body. So don't tell me we ain't energy. And don't tell me that we're not electrical appliances. Our brain works by electricity. It really does. So listen, I began to look into this just a little bit more as all this was happening and all it took was just getting that misplaced energy going in the right direction and I was pain free. Totally pain free. Don't have an ounce of pain. And you know, I believe there, in fact, I know that there's something to I know religion gets all upset about talking about the energy fields and, and chakras as they call it. I know it bends them out of shape and they think, well, you're a bunch of new age people. Well, call us what you will. I'll tell you what, just leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a happy heretic. Yeah. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. My granddaughter's going to be going to college in Iowa. And the college she's going to is a college that teaches energy healing. And I said, I want to go. Yeah. Can I go? Sandy says, I want to go too. <laughs> but she's going. She's going to go next year, January, February. She's going to be off to Iowa. And she's going to be, uh, and she took some lessons in a little energy movement just a couple of weeks ago. And the, uh, the lady was a third generation uh, energy healer. And she got a hold of Sandy and said, your daughter has a natural gift in energy healing. Well, I know she does. Very, very sensitive to spirit. Very sensitive to spirit. But anyhow, let me get back to this. Once the energy begins to rise from the root all the way up and it touches or envelops the pineal and then goes to the right, as I've said many times, you begin to experience stuff in your body that you never experienced before. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6.22. He said, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Now, we know that the pineal, once it's really open, and especially when we meditate you know, in the dark, especially at night in the dark, the pineal manufactures the melatonin, and melatonin is a light, a skin lightener. Melatonin is a skin lightener. So it, it all works together. And let me just say, your pineal is a light receptor. And I'm going to talk more about this, you know, when we get into this next week, because I'm going to talk to you about some words in the brain you ain't never heard me talk about before. <laughs> I know I'm not using correct English here tonight, but I'm trying to make a point. Now, what happened to Jacob in Genesis 32? Well, let me tell you what happened to Jacob. <coughs> Jacob saw God, Genesis 32, face to face. Now listen, God is light. Besides love and life, God is light. Therefore, you know, we used to sing the song, I saw the light. We had no clue what we were singing about. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, everything is right, or something like that. So Jacob saw God face to face, and God is light. So therefore, he saw God face to face. He saw God as himself. Yes. He yes. saw the light of God as himself, and he realized that he was spirit slowed down to visibility so and that he was a light being. Lord. And that's why at the moment, the second of our conception in our mother's womb, there's an explosion of yes. light because you and I are a light being. So yes. Jacob saw God face to face. In other words, he saw himself as the light of God. And you know what he did? Yeah. It threw open every energy field. It affected the pineal. His life physically was preserved. So what did Jacob do? He simply brought his feminine principle and yielded it to the masculine principle. And what did he do? He became that light subjectively. And he named the place pineal, which pineal is a derivative of pineal. And not only did he get 
understanding on who he was as the light, but it preserved his life physically. It did something in his physical body. Now, I'm about to close, but let me say this. It's very interesting that our pineal is in the shape of a pine cone. Did you know that? Yes. And did you know if you went to the Vatican, and Lori was just there yes. a few weeks ago, her daughter was studying for a number of weeks over in Italy, and Lori and Kennedy went over there uh, and, and did some touring. I mean, they went all over the place because it was so cheap to just, you know, uh, take a train or plane or whatever they were to go to, you know, Switzerland and different places. But at, in, the in the structure, and I don't know where this is, but, and I never asked Lori if she saw it, but it, they went into the Vatican and in the structure of the Vatican, there is a, a part of the structure is a pine cone. Imagine that. Yep. And you know that when the Egyptians have deaths in their family, they take a pine cone and they put it on the forehead of the dead deceased person. I'm not sure why. I need to probably find out why. But that's what they do. So in the natural, our pineal is in the shape of a pine cone. And let me just share this with you about sealing and unsealing. The tomb of Jesus was sealed with a great stone, and then it was unsealed by a message. And so when you're dealing with a pineal that is in the shape of a pine cone, what happens to the pine cone when it falls off of the tree? It is sealed. And when the sun from our solar system hits it, it opens it, and seeds explode all over the place. No. <laughs> it's sealed, and then it's unsealed. Listen, by the sun, the fire, S-U-N, of the solar system. So when the sun in our solar plexus rises and hits the pineal, that pineal, and goes to the right, it then explodes. You have the explosion of the pine cone, if you will, that which is in the shape of a pine cone, and the seeds that we have planted into our feminine principle explode and go all over the place. Even when you're not talking to anyone, people can experience the explosion of the seeds that come out of your life. Amen. Oh, bam! So there you have the physical anatomy of the sealing of the tomb and then the unsealing through a message, an angel, or through a message. Now, next week I'm going to talk more about this, but you have within your skull, within your head, that which is called the fornix, F-O-R-N-E-X, and it plays a very important part because it is connected, and I'll explain this next week, it is connected to the hippocampus, which has to do with memory. Now, we're talking about the fact that those in the graves hear his voice and they begin to remember. So the fornix and the hippocampus have to do with short-term and long-term memory. Right. And listen, what was it that rolled the stone away, the great stone away? It was an angel. Now, scientists call the angel an angle. And in your skull, there is an angled line that connects the fornix and the hippocampus and causes you to remember takes me right back to Psalm 22, 27. By the waters of reflection, I remember who I am. Yep. That's turning to the Lord. That is so good. Now, as we get into this, because I'm going to blame you, I asked you a few weeks ago, y'all want to go deeper into the brain, yeah. and y'all said yes. So we're going to do that. Amen. We're going to talk more about the different parts of the brain, the activity, the function of the brain. But the relationship, listen, of our fornix and the hippocampus as seen in the rolling away of the great stone by the angel or by the message is very important to us. Now why wouldn't the fundies want to hear this? Why wouldn't Western evangelical Christianity want to subject themselves to this type of teaching? Why do they fight it so badly? When 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to quote it again, 523 in the Amplified says, we're sanctified, we had salvation before the foundation, right. we had redemption from before the foundation, objectively, just objectively, and we had it in our spirit, and our soul, and in our body. Yeah. 
So as I said, what I'm giving you is just simply the how-to for us to experience this. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sealed up and have all of this understanding and knowledge. Yes. I want the stone to be rolled away. Amen. Legalism, literalism, yeah. all yeah. of that. Amen. And not just that, I want it to be rolled away and unsealed so that the pineal in me can cause me to experience exactly what Jacob experienced when he saw God face to face and it totally revolutionized his life and it preserved his physical body. Amen. That's what I want to experience. So in, Je in closing here, in Jesus' death, he exposed the lie of two things. What two things did he expose the lie of? And I'm being kind of carnal here. But the two things that you've been taught all your life is you got to pay taxes and die. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus exposed that. Now, you got to pay taxes. Don't misunderstand. But you don't have to die. And his resurrection revealed something that was always true about us. And resurrection, again, means to gather your faculties. And the discovery of the message of the angel. The discovery of truth. And we're experiencing the discovery of truth. And remember, the veil was rent at the death from the top. Not your just high, prestigious, lower thoughts of intellect, showing people how intelligent you are, but all the way down to the stinking thing. That veil was rent. And I can say in my awareness, it was also rent from the top of my skull to the bottom of my feet even in my body. Because every one of us tonight are whole and complete in spirit and soul and body no matter what we're experiencing in the physical anatomy. Objectively, we have it. Subjectively, no, not completely. But listen, we're on the way. We're on the way. So next week, we're going to, as I said, talk more about the ceiling of the stone rolled in front of the sepulcher going to get deeper into it, and the stone being rolled away by the message. We'll talk about the hippocampus. I'm going to give you words like medial margin, mantle, the fornix, the hypoglossal nerve, and we will even see how. Remember when we used to, someone would come up, and maybe they would need prayer because they were ill. We'd grab for the olive oil bottle, yeah. pour it on them, or at least on the forehead, and they always got it in my hair for some reason. But let me just tell you, we're going to see how Amon's horn, you have something in your head called Ammon or Amon's horn. And Jesus called himself in Revelation, Amen. He did. So when these things are connecting, we're going to see how that the anointing of oil in our foreheads connects rather than grabbing a bottle of oil and anointing someone on the forehead. Yes. Oil is produced on the inside, yes. and our head is anointed from yes. the inside out. Yes. Now, anoint us my head yes. with oil. Does not mean get out the olive oil bottle. <laughs> it means we go through this. Now, listen, that had a time and a place. You know, that had a time and a place where we'd grab the olive oil bottle and we'd, you know, slosh it over with oil. But you know what? There's a more excellent way. Yes. There's a more excellent way. Yes, there is. And what is it? It's what we're going to be talking about, the hypoglossal nerve and Amon's horn, or, or Amon's horn, I think it's Amon's horn, along with the Amen, Christ Jesus within us, will bring all of the anointing to our head that we need. The pine cone. The pine cone. We're going to talk more about the pine cone. We're going to talk more about the pine cone. Go ahead and share it. It's represented the seat of the soul. The pine cone yeah. represents the third eye. Yes. Spiritual ascension, enlightenment, and immortality. Yes. There you go. There you go. That's the, the pineal that's in the form of the of, yeah. of the pine cone. Yeah. You know, I, and I live in a community where it's full of pine cones. Yes. Ah, pine cones all over yeah. my grass right now. They need to be cleaned up. But what happens is when the sun, as I said, they come, they fall off the tree and they're sealed. Yeah. But when the when the sun from the solar system hits it, they explode and seeds go all over the place. Yeah. And if you don't take care of them, and especially when there's a forest fire. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what happens when there's a forest fire. And then they begin to grow new, as the seeds explode, they begin to grow new trees, you see. Yeah. So when the, when the fire or the SUM from our solar, our solar plexus begins to rise and hit the pineal and go to the right, we pass out of the winter of our life into the spring and then into the summer of our life. <coughs> See? Yeah. And it was all played out in the constellations. We yes. know that. We talk a lot on that. It, it all happened in the constellations. And this is why in Malachi it says, when the sun, S-U-N, the solar plexus of righteousness arises, yes. it's going to have healing in its wings Amen. and health. In other words, like Jacob, his body was preserved. Our body will be preserved. Amen. And we will, as it says, she said, Amen. the pine cone meaning ascension and immortality. Listen, we already are immortal, yes, objectively. absolutely. And when we, listen, as it says in 1 Corinthians, yes. as Paul said, the mortal must put on immortality. Yes. He was talking about the mortal thinking. Yes. yes. Must put on the fact that, Amen. and the knowing that we are immortal. And then the awareness being a projector will project that out to the subjective experience in our physical bodies. Amen. So I hope you got something out of this. Yes. Father, we thank you tonight yes. for your truth, spirit, our spirit that is conceiving in our virgin womb, our virgin consciousness, these truths, that we might walk and subjectively experience what and who we have always been for our good and to your glory. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen.